Hi, I'm Arnav Rostogi, and this is Satvik Srinivas. And together, we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in. And with so many random things happening this week, I, I think it's only right for an early season buy or sell. What do you say, Satvik? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stocks moving up and down. A crazy day <laughs> in the market. <laughs> we got to break it down. All right, with that, our first take. Man, that, that Dolphins-Ravens game was something. And now with some people, some people are, are, are bullish on two in this offense. So are they for real, Savic? Because this was a big question mark coming in into the season. And it I don't know that Tyreek Tyre Kildo is starting to pay dividends, or at least it seems so. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, you're talking about people getting bullish. I'm going to invest early, watch my dividends that are about to come rest of the season. But here's the thing, right? Um, speed kills and the Dolphins have too much of it honestly they have too much with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill if you play fantasy that's 240 point players right there yours truly benched Jalen Waddle this week so I don't even want to hear it but it is it is what it is I'm gonna have to live with it but I'm gonna learn from this move on put my trust in this offense but if the question is just you know Tua, right? Because everyone is high on Tua this week, rightfully so. Dude, dude balled out six touchdowns. But it's not just Tua, right? It's not just Tua, right? This offense was what Mike McDaniels was bringing. They have weapons everywhere. Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Mike Jasicki. They have a good running back group. I just think that they have the ability to spread the ball around. And they're a very multidimensional offense. Like, there's not one guy you can just lock up and slow this offense down. So I just like what I'm seeing in the early stages. And I think it's only has the potential to keep getting better in Miami. I agree. And I I can't deny to his performance, like, you know, like 380 yards or whatnot, six touchdowns. I, I, you know, numbers do not lie, but I am still going to sell this. And I understand it seems outrageous with the performance you just had, but it's about consistency, right? And Tua has, over the years, we've learned that he's a very inconsistent quarterback. He can have these stretches of two or three amazing games and then flip the switch and just play like an average quarterback, right? And you can have as many weapons as you want. It depends on who the quarterback is. And I promise you as a Saints fan, late in Drew Brees' career, he had every weapon at his disposal and our offense in the playoffs didn't go because he didn't have the arm strength to throw it. The quarterback position moves the offense. And until Tua shows me that, you know, he can play like this consistently, I simply cannot buy it. Like two weeks, he's been great. And I'm not denying that. But I'm going to need to see five or six weeks that he's straight, that he's being great and spreading the ball around and using all his weapons and taking advantage of Mike McDaniel's uh, run scheme and using the play action to his advantage. Until I see that like five, six weeks straight, I'm not I'm not buying it. So I'm a seller at week two, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to be a buyer like week five or week six. Savik's investing early in the startup company, but uh, I'm a hold back. I'm going to be a little prudent. All right, that's fair. I, I hear where you're coming from, right? But here's the thing with NFL quarterbacks, right? Momentum is a big thing. And I think this game is going to be a huge confidence booster for Tua. And you kind of think about this, just right generally, 
the Dolphins almost went out this offseason. They were meddling with uh, the Buccaneers trying to get Tom Brady. And imagine, you know, because there's Tua that played this past Sunday was not Tua, like the last whole season and whatever we saw to it, right? Because it takes these time. It takes time for these guys to develop. Same thing with Josh Allen. We saw the amount of time it took. And you kind of think about, I know I don't want to get too off topic here, but, you know, you saw Trey Lance go down, how that's going to hurt his progression. I think there's just this idea with quarterbacks entering the NFL where day one, we want to see them, you know, snap and we're good to go. But I just think Tua's in the right direction and I don't want to, I want to believe in that one. I don't want to mess with that. And I, I think it's going to work out in my end. That, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's not a hard sell. This is, this is something that I might, I might buy in our next buy or sell, but you know, history, history doesn't lie, dude. Like, like if you're not a mm-hmm. consistent quarterback, there's, there's bound to be some up and downs in my opinion, but you know, two of my overcome that. So it's entirely possible. The next take and you know, my, while Tua is on one side of the AFC, he's balling out. The Bengals are on a whole nother side. And and it really begs the question. It's a question in a lot of fans' minds. Are they dealing with a Super Bowl hangover, Savic? All right. I'm going to say yes and buy this fact that the Bengals are dealing with Super Bowl hangover. And to me, what this really is, right? When you're having a Super Bowl hangover, the Bengals are not the same team that they were last year in that postseason run, right? I know Burrow was getting sacked, all that, but it just doesn't appear to be the same offense that's clicking. You know, a lot of third and longs you get into these situations. Um, multiple players, you know, you've even seen these fade balls to Jamar, T. Higgins, where they're naturally like automatic for this offense, and they were just not clicking these past two weeks. And the turnover problem, that's another huge thing. Uh, putting all these things together, right? The sacks, turnovers, just not converting getting in the drive uh, change movement. It just reminds me a lot of the Chiefs last year in the middle of the, you know, early to middle part of the year where it was just not clicking. You're scratching your head with some of the play calling. Like, what are we trying to do right now? Let's pick up some first downs. And I think the Bengals are just in this slump right now and they're just going to have to dig themselves out of it. They're, it's not up to anyone but themselves to figure it out. And I think it's going to take time, but I eventually believe that they will get back on track. You know, earlier in the season, I said that the Bengals would have a down year. I, I I thought that their defense wouldn't be as good as it was with all the one-year standouts that they had last year. But I'm just going to take that and completely throw it out the door because that has not been the case. The The only reason that we're seeing the Bengals like be this bad is because the play calling has been atrocious. It's not that the defense is doing bad. I, I, I still don't think the offensive line is horrible right i just think the play calling is atrocious right if you see that your offensive line isn't doing the best or it's not doing the greatest against micah parsons and that cowboys d line is your response to that yeah let's put no running backs to help our o-line chip the edge rushers is that going to be your response Avic? right no no but zach taylor is putting out zero sets there and saying you know what joe burrow you got to just throw it on the run, escape the pocket, and just find something, make something happen. That's not good play calling, right? And then you you layer on top of that the fact that I feel like the media has kind of gotten to the Bengals' heads because now you look at it, they're just trying to force balls that are not there. 
They're not trying to take that check down to Hayden Hurst or that simple run play that has been effective to with Joe Mixon. It's always, let's try to force this to Jamar or T. Higgins, right? And, and even, yo, Tyler Boyd is not being used as much as I would like him to be. Tyler Boyd is such a key piece, such sure hands out of the slot. He's not being used. I don't know what's going on within the Bengals organization, but there's just some dysfunction at the play calling and coaching level that I can't wrap my head around. And I do think the Bengals will pick it up and move on. I, I do think that they will get it together later in the season because I think play calling is an issue that can be resolved. And once it is resolved, I think the team will be fine. But right now, man, it is atrocious. Um, I, I'm, I'm selling the fact that they're having a hangover just because I, I don't think this is a hangover. I think it's more play calling. But man, oh man, what is going on in Cincinnati? Yeah, and I think we need to take it within the context of you play Pittsburgh week one with TJ Watt and week two, you're playing Micah Parsons, Trayvon Davis, and the Steve. These are top 10 defenses, right? And I'm not saying that just to give the Bengals an excuse, but let's say like it is. The, the Bengals are playing some of the top defenses and they just didn't have the answers. And that's not to say that, okay, you know, it's an excuse, but it's true that this offensive line was getting beat. The Bengals didn't have answers and we just have to take that into account, right? Cause if we were playing, I don't know, just uh, the, okay. I don't want to throw any teams under the bus, but if you're playing a bad defense, <laughs> I think the Bengals would have uh, figured a way out, but these good top, top notch defenses didn't let that happen. All I'm going to say is that's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it when it comes down to the playoffs, when it comes down to late in the season. And I, I just don't – I don't think that's going to cut it now, right? You're As the team like the Bengals, you have a tough schedule. You're going to be playing the top teams in the league, especially with, you know, your own division. You're playing, you're playing like six – you're playing six games that are like really tough games against, you know, Lamar, the Bengals – the uh, Browns defense is amazing and the Steelers defense is amazing. So – I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not going to cut them any slack. Those were Steelers and the Cowboys. Those are winnable games or they should have been winnable games. So I don't know. I'm not cutting them any slack, but I, I don't know. There's not, something's going on since the, I can't wrap my head around. It's a hangover. That's what it is. <laughs> it's not know. a hangover. It's just All the play right, calling you, is atrocious. All right. How do you define a hangover? I guess if you want to talk about my, my definition of a hangover is when you lose players and then those losses cause you to struggle throughout the season. The Bengals didn't have any of that, right? They added players, right? And they're not really suffering with, with any of the losses. They're just not able to do anything with what they have. Like the play calling is atrocious. That, that's what I'm looking at here. Right. Um, I guess that's like one way a team could have a hangover. But to me, it's more broadly generalized to just – you're not yourself, right? If you're, when you're in a hangover and I, the Bengals are not themselves. I, I brought up the Chiefs. The, after that, um, like, an embarrassing loss to the Buccaneers in that Super Bowl, right? It's not that the Chiefs lost a lot of pieces. They were just not themselves. It took a while to get picked back up. And I think it's just kind of what that is. But anyways, let's, let's move on here to an NFC team, the Detroit Lions, you know, they got a big win this Sunday against the Washington football team or the Washington commanders. Now, do you think the Detroit lions can legitimately compete for the NFC North? 
I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. And man, this is a gritty team. They went on HBO Max for Hard Knocks. And you just saw that they are all in on Dan Campbell. They're all in on that coaching staff. And they're all in on themselves. And when you buy in, that is the biggest thing that can happen for a team culture is when you buy in. And all these Lions players have bought in. I'm just going to give credit to Ben Johnson because the offensive play calling and utilization of weapons like DeAndre Swift, even Jamal Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, even DJ Chark, and the fact that he's able to unlock the best in Jared Goff is incredible. I it's it's just incredible. And this offense has really been putting them in a very competitive position in all of their games, right? Uh, Savig, you would know they they really took the Eagles to the last minute. And I mean, that offense was dominating a very, very good commander's defense. I think if the Lions continue what they're doing, if they just stick to their bread and butter and continue this offensive success, I don't know. I, I think I think they're right up there, especially in a weak NFC, a weak NFC North. I think I think I think they can give the Packers a run for their money, even the Vikings. I think one hundred percent. Yeah, I hear where you're coming from, right? But if if the statement was just do I buy the Lions offense? I would 100% buy it right now. But if I'm looking at this team as a whole, you did not say one good thing about this Lions defense. <laughs> Talk about this team. I mean, listen, the defense is doing just enough. It might turn into a liability, but listen, we've seen we've seen teams rely on their offenses, especially down the stretch to keep them in games. I I guess we'll find more about what this team is made of with this with a divisional road trip to Minnesota coming up this week, but I I think it's going to validate. I think, I think the Lions can go in and give the Vikings a run for their money. And if they, if it's a close game and they come out with a win or even a close loss, I I think my point is validated. Yeah. uh, I'm going to sell just for the fact that I don't know if they're that complete team, as I said, but yeah, we'll see if they can hold up against, you know, Minnesota, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, these guys are looking for a bounce back game. We'll see. <laughs> um, and finally, we head to the AFC West, the most competitive and complete division in football. The Raiders are struggling, dude. The Raiders are struggling. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, fully struggling, but they are zero and two right now. Two close losses and a complete collapse against the Cardinals. So, with that, Zavik, are the Raiders the worst team? in the AFC West? All right. I'm going to say no, they are not. But I'm also going to add that the Raiders are looking like they're in mid-season form. <laughs> but, <laughs> but let's let's really get to the point here because this is this question is trying to be a little vague here. Are the Raiders the worst? No, it's basically, do you like the Raiders or the Broncos? That's really the question. Yeah. And I'm going to take the Raiders because let, let's just look at this, right? The Raiders have had two really tough games against the Chargers, and the Cardinals, two very good playoff contenders. Who have the Broncos played? They lost to the Seahawks and they barely beat the Texans. I don't, that's not enough for me to say, wow, the Broncos are really killing that man. Like, Broncos' offense is struggling, right? They put up like an average of 15 points or something in the first two weeks against like not elite defenses, like good defenses. And I don't know, like, I, the, the Broncos aren't screaming off the page to me as 
this amazing team right now. And I think the Raiders have done a lot of good stuff and just haven't been able to win games. Like even if, even if the Raiders win one of these games right now, they're one and one, we feel a whole lot better about the Raiders, but just the fact that you're zero two has that, you know, big red flag. I'm sure there's some stat out there, like 22% of teams that win are zero two make the playoffs, something like that. But I, I think they're, Raiders are in the 22%. <laughs> I think the Raiders are. I, I think they can bounce back. Um, but it, again, it's a really tough division. Mm-hmm. But if it's the Raiders or Broncos, I'm taking the Raiders. Here's what I'll say. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy this. I, I like the Broncos a bit more than the Raiders. I'm still a believer in Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, and what they're doing in Denver. And the real reason is I think if the Broncos just solve their red zone issues, I think they're fine. Like, if we look at how many times they have been, like, at the one and they haven't converted or they haven't gotten a touchdown out of it, it's insane. Like, this this might be the most historically bad red zone offense that I've seen. But I think it's just a one problem. Like, you can flip the switch. Because if, if, we, if we just, in a picture-perfect world, we imagine that the Broncos scored on all these red zone trips, both of the games against the Texans and the Seahawks are not close. I think the the Broncos as a whole are a better unit. They have a better defense, in my opinion. And offensively, they're almost at par with the Raiders. I just think they solve their red zone struggles, and they are good to go. All right. I think I think you're simplifying this way. This is this is like me saying if the Vikings solved their quarterback troubles, they're a Super Bowl team. All right, but 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 listen, the I'm that's a positional problem. I'm saying this is a play calling problem. Like if they just start running the ball more at the red zone, or they just start find they just start instead of like running a fade route with Sutton and Judy, they just they try to switch it up and run an inside slant or something like that. It's a play calling issue that can be fixed at practice. Like a positional issue like that can't be fixed, but this can easily be fixed. And if they fix the play calling at the red zone, I, I don't think the past two games are going to be close. And I think I think future games are gonna they're gonna be good in. All right, we'll see. I guess again, the rate the Broncos are in that adjustment period we talked a lot about last right. week. But all right, with that, let's head into our week three preview. A matchup I'm really looking forward to. An AFC East duel down in Miami. Buffalo Bills going down to play the Dolphins. Could this be a trap game? I think it is a trap game. Not really a trap game, but I think the Dolphins are just going to take advantage of the Bills' injuries, right? Out mm-hmm. Dane Jackson, prayers up to him. They're out without Tredavious White, so they're really going to be starting a rookie corner in Kyer Elam. And do I think that's going to take care of the job against Tyreek and Jalen Waddell? I don't know. And even if, you know, you have Jordan Pyre and Micah Hyde who take away the deep routes with the cover two, I still think like Gisecki and they can even run the ball with Mostert and everything. I, I just think they can just grind the Bills out offensively. And you look at it every year, the Dolphins beat the Bills in Miami for some reason. So I'm just going to take Tua and the Dolphins here. All right. Wow. That was a lot less... Uh, a lot less than I was expecting. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about, but <laughs> I'm going with the Dolphins as well. Um, but I think it's going to be a really close game. I know the Bills, Bills are dealing with some injuries, but I'm just really excited now to see, you know, Tua, Josh Allen head-to-head. I know I know Tua's not in that conversation, but like <laughs> – but No, it's exciting with the offensive weapons he has, yeah, for sure. Right. 
And I just, this is, to me, last week, that was great. But this is the, this is the week where it's like actually the test. Because last week, no one expected that. I don't know about that. I, I just think the Bills injuries, like they're just at All the right. places where like Tua can just take advantage. Like All right, that's fair. I want to see, I want to, I'm, I'm waiting for the next Bills Dolphins matchup. If Tredavious White, White, Tredavious White is healthy, then I want to see what All happens. Right. That's fair. That's fair. All right. But like, if the, if the Dolphins lose, that's an even bigger problem. So yeah, it is. <laughs> it is a bit, in my opinion, then it would be kind of concerning. Yeah. But, um, moving on. Rams Cardinals, another divisional game that is garnering some hype here. The Cardinals, can they continue their momentum off that overtime comeback win? I'm gonna say yes here. And you know, I know I picked the Falcons as my upset last week. They almost broke that 28 to 3 curse. I really, by, by coming back from a 28 yeah, to 3 lead. Yeah, I, I really thought it was, <laughs> I don't know, man. To me, the Rams are looking really shaky. Like they're playing. They're playing good football. They're playing good offense in the first half, but Stafford just has a knack for picks that cost the game. Like, that's just kind of his thing right now. Um, they were definitely more multidimensional. It was not all Cooper Cup, but the Cardinals can give a run for – can give the Rams a run for their money. I think Kyler Murray is starting to put the, put the pot away, start taking <laughs> notes, watching Phil. <laughs> He's doing his stuff, but – I said like, does that nah or four four hours of film every week? Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> in the film um, work, but he, he's gonna he's gonna need it this week. But um, I think man, we are on the same page with these picks. I'm, I'm picking the Cardinals too. Uh, I I just think the Rams. I don't know. Like they haven't lived up to my expectations, and I think if Kyler's just able to evade the pressure of Aaron Donald. I think I think he can find open receivers left and right. I think he can scramble out of the pocket and that versatility. I don't know if the Rams are going to handle it. I can handle it, right? And on top of that, I don't know if Stafford can put up as many points as Kyler does. Right, that's, that's actually that's... a valid point because the whole concern, at least for me, with the Cardinals was, oh, without D Hop, are they going to be able to put up points? But the Rams are not looking like anything to be worried about if you're okay not in that sense but like it's, it's not this high octane offense that's coming right up. right it's not it's not like last year we're like oh my right. god who am i gonna guard van jefferson goes deep cooper cup is here obj is like you don't know who to guard but right. now it's like yeah we, we can we can solve this schematically right. and defensively we can stop this team and now our uh, headlining matchup of week three Sotvik, you don't you don't like this for some reason but um aaron Rodgers heads down to Tampa Bay to play Tom Brady for what is looking like the final time. Why, why would you like this matchup? I mean, this, this is like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. All right. It's two things here. One, every time we've hyped up an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady matchup, it has not lived up. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to get all excited on Sunday, 425, just to watch a boring football game. But, <laughs> but here's what I think, right? First of all, Mike Evans is out. The Packers are looking like, I'm just going to say, I think it's going to be a very mid-football game, right? Okay, maybe it comes down to a fourth quarter, something happens, but I think Bill's Dolphin is going to be a lot more exciting if you want to watch explosive football. Um, I, I, I think the Packers will handily take this. I think this might be a blowout. I'm not going to lie, because for some reason, every time they've played each other, like it's either like Tampa Bay is like blowing out and Rod, it's, it's, it's never like a close, interesting game. 
I, my, point, that reason, my point exactly that's my point <laughs> yeah, yeah no I, I that's what i'm saying i i 100 understand it now looking back at history between these two teams i i just think the buccaneers if you're without julio jones chris godwin and mike evans i don't know how how composed tom brady's gonna be throwing to Bre- uh brashad perryman and scotty miller who are probably gonna drop the pass half the time as they did against the saints i i think aaron Rodgers. He has momentum coming up for that Bears game. I think he has a point to prove. I, I still don't think he's forgotten about the 38 to 3 game a couple of, a couple of meetings ago. So right. I, I think they're heading to Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay fans probably going to be leaving by the third quarter, third, fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, I'm going to pick the Packers too, especially with Mike Evans being out and all that. But I don't know. Like, this could be another like Aaron Rodgers fails epically against Tom Brady situations, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I just don't think the Bucs are anything to be too worried about if you're the Packers right now, especially without Mike Evans. So yeah, that's like the big thing for me. Like the, the Bucs, even last week, they could barely move the ball against the Saints. Like just a couple of plays here and there at the end of the yeah. game. So. All right. With that, let's move into our upsets of the week. Hopefully, Slavic, we have more to disagree upon here. Yeah. Um, I'm just being objective. There's no, there's no level of bias involved, right? I'm just looking down the week three schedule. What team do I believe is going to pull off an upset? And if that, if you take offense to this or not, it's not, it's not me. It's just, I'm being objective. I'm picking the Panthers at home against the divisional team. Uh-huh. I think the Panthers have been really close back to back weeks. I They've lost on field goals both weeks, right? I just think this is the game they got to get. And in a divisional game, if Baker Mayfield can just put a couple of drives together and they stop turning the ball over, I think they can win. Um, so I'm looking down the week three schedule. <laughs> no, Savic is very objective, right? Savic, I'm just, I'm just being objective here. I'm just, I'm just looking down the week three schedule, and it's no hard feelings to you, but I just think the Commanders might upset the Eagles. Um. And this is no, this is no like hard feelings, no offense. You know, this is not like getting payback for you picking the Panthers over the Saints. But I realistically, I think the Eagles are just on their high horse right now. And the Eagles are for real. I'm, I'm not denying that. But when you have Super Bowl talk week two, and when you have this many people hyping you up, this is when teams get vulnerable to losing. And what? better person to lose to than Carson Wentz and the commanders at home. I think this is a revenge game, Carson Wentz. I think with the way that he has the commander's offense looking, I think they can expose the Eagles, especially in the secondary, which sometimes has been spotty, right? Darius Slay might take away Terry McLaurin, but guess what? They got Curtis Samuel and they have Jahan Dotson who have been monsters. So I I think on that front, and I, I think if the commanders are able to take away the run game, which they have been able to, I think they might force Jalen Hurts into some tough situations. So when I look at this, I think this is a trap game for the Eagles, divisional game, commanders at home. I'm picking them. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I'm not taking offense, but I just think you're wrong. Like, I just got to say that. <laughs> but no, I I'm not be- taking offense. I, I, I think you're also wrong. But... <laughs> I think it could be a trap game, definitely. But here's the thing, right? I don't, even if the Washington offense gets going, right? I don't know if, especially without Chase Young yet, right? I don't I don't know if this Washington defense just has enough. They were making the Lions offense look really, really good 
I think the Eagles offense are better than uh, the Lions offense. And again, the only thing that's a little like, I guess the asterisk is you're playing a divisional opponent on the road. But as an Eagles fan, especially after last week, not believing in my team on Monday night, I went ahead and picked the Vikings. And I got to say also, I got to apologize. I was way too harsh with Jalen Hurts after that week one performance. I was, I was just, I, I guess I was just being a fan trying to not get too hyped, but I'm all in now. I'm believing what I'm seeing, but take it a week at a time. And hopefully things, things go well for us this year. With that being said, thank you for tuning in to the 82nd episode of The Backfield Brick. And be sure to tune in for our next episode, where we'll recap week three of the NFL and look ahead to week four. Until then, it's been Sapik Trinabas and Arnav Rostogi. Stay safe and take care.